Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Beastly. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast and it's not a great film, so I don't think it really matters. But if you care, we do spoil the plot while we're talking about it. So just a spoiler alert for Beastly and also for the end of the Harry Potter series. Enjoy. old as time <laughs> hello ah, <laughs> what is that mysterious noise <laughs> i just turned on the hairdryer <laughs> oh i'm having a chaotic day i'm sorry i'm extremely late not that our listeners will know but i'm 35 minutes late for the recording because i had to give my son a bath and then i had to read my son a story and then I had to take him upstairs, and then I had to put him in his pajamas, and there's there's all these things that you have to do, and <laughs> they just they just happen when they happen, you know. Exactly, exactly. It's a it's a tale as old as time. <laughs> so you turned on the hairdryer. I did. I think we both need to turn on the metaphorical hairdryer for beastly, don't you? Oh my god, let's just yeah. <laughs> let's let's di- let's for once for once let's dive straight in. Let's do it. Let's do it. This um this might be one of the worst films I have ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> but... I'm glad I could provide, Paddy. I'm glad I could provide. But the thing is, this is this is a shit piece, to use our favoured terminology. This is definitely, you know, this is the very definition of a shit piece. But at the same time, it's it's not entertainingly bad, you know. It's not the room. It's not hubristically flawed in the way that, makes you feel sympathetic towards the people that made it if that makes sense not that the room is the only bad film to compare everything to but it's a film that we both like and it's a film that we have covered on this podcast and it's um it's always a bit of a yardstick for just bad bad cinema in general the citizen kane of bad movies but beastly boy this is a terrible terrible film it's really awful Yes, um, it is very, very bad. I'd say and I'm that... in a relatively good mood this week. This isn't one of our like. This isn't one of our grumpy episodes. I think. Well, actually, are you, are you in a bad mood? I'm in a bad mood, but I'm excited to talk about Beastly. <laughs> so I think it's kind of put me in a good mood. Um, okay, a good mood. A good mood. Um, is that be... a, is that a Pokemon? Good mood. Yeah. Yeah. Good <laughs> Appears at the end. Um, I I think this film nearly makes it into enjoyably bad but you're right it doesn't it doesn't get over the line into that does it but i think there's elements of it that are very very strange and very very funny so it it has that shit piece element to it mainly because you look at this and you think why did you make this and i i know i i understand the cynical reasons behind why this movie was made because it is based on a teen fantasy romance novel i literally only just realized that <laughs> in the post twilight universe this is a um a film based on a fantasy romance novel that takes a classic fantasy story and makes it modern and set in a high school yeah so you know it ticks all the boxes for let's make this movie which but, is also a tale as old as time which is yeah, exactly, exactly time being the, the contemporary romantic comedy genre with its adaptations of shakespeare beginning somewhere around 1991 <laughs> Um, but but in terms of why why was this why did this story exist I think is the main question because it does not work in a modern setting it does not work in a high school setting Beauty and the I Beast think you could do it that see the thing is the whole time I was watching it thinking I think you could pull this off if you if you but it's not easy so you know to to be fair to both the guy who wrote the novel and the people who made the film. It's very difficult to pull off that adaptation, and it's probably. But that also means that it's probably something that shouldn't have been done in the first place because it doesn't really work. But I think it is possible. Not that I necessarily have all of the answers as to how you would do that, but you know, all of the, the way that the um, the plot itself fits together is fine. 
It's more that the the execution of it and the dialogue and stuff is just so trite and so poor. It's like it was written by a thirteen year old for their like media studies project. You can make it, but the problem is that Shrek has done it, <laughs> <laughs> and Shrek did it. Shrek did it better. Yeah, because um, it had a donkey in it. The lesson is always put donkeys in it. Always put donkeys in it. Yeah, that, that is that is the lesson. Have you ever seen a donkey? Yes. <laughs> Good. They're like surprisingly cute, aren't they? But yeah, donkeys are great. You I'm always extremely moved by those adverts for donkey charities. And actually I oh, get yes, a lot of them yeah. popping up on Facebook. All the adverts that I get on Facebook are for like donkey sanctuaries and like save the turtles. And every day it's some new cause or some new animal and I can't support them all and it makes me feel bad. Yeah, but we had a very big donkey sanctuary down near us when we went to Exeter University. We did, um, There's yeah. a big one down in Devon. Not and the yeah. big sheep. <laughs> um, but donkeys are great. Donkeys are good animals. Yeah. You've got to love a donkey. Yeah, they've got they've got such just like mournful faces, haven't they? Yet here you have a real donkey of a film, and yes. you're telling us you do not like it. <laughs> no, it's a mule. <laughs> mule. Yeah. Um, I had to explain to someone what a mule was the other day. It's it's um, what you feed uh, kids in orphanages, isn't it? Mule. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's also also a Pokemon. Uh, also a Pokemon. Yeah, very small and round, and <laughs> greasy. <laughs> I'm just imagining a Pokedex popping up and going, "Mule, the round, small, greasy Pokemon." It's like yeah, like a little bowl of mush. Yeah, with with eyes. Exactly. And you know, I've just come up with that, but that's marginally less weird than most of the new Pokemon. That that is that is the classic Pokemon territory right there. So so mules, right? Mule is donkey horse hybrid, isn't it? That's what a mule is. Yeah. Is that right? Yes, it is. A cross between a donkey and a horse, and they are yeah. infertile. They cannot breed. Because they have achieved the ultimate life form on the planet. <laughs> yeah, it's the end game. The the apex predator, the mule. <laughs> A uh, mule always makes me think of, um, there's an episode of The Simpsons where, for some reason, groundskeeper Willie gets on the bus and it's, like, raining. And um, he says his mule wouldn't walk in the mud, so he had to put 17 bullets in him. <laughs> <laughs> Which I always, kind of, like, scared me a bit as a kid, but also made me laugh. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that. A bit um... like Beastly, which also scared me and made me laugh. <laughs> Um, so, so shall we explain a little bit about Beastly then? So, Beastly, um, it's terrible set, title as well. Set, it set is a, the title of the novel, but yeah. yes, yeah. Um, set in a high school. Um, then it's a high school in New York, and there is super handsome man who is like he's the he's the cool kid at the school, and he's a real he's mean very man. handsome, and he's really mean. He's a he's, real mean guy. He's got that late 2000s, early 2010s um, haircut, hasn't he? Yeah. That haircut that everybody had. It's, you know, sort of proto One Direction. And he, he's, he's yeah, he's handsome, but he's mean. Um, played by Alex Pettifer. Um, and he is going for some kind of, is it class president or something like that? So, something something that they have in American high schools that mirrors their weird political system that we don't have. Yes. Instead, we don't teach people about politics at all, and then we end up with Brexit because nobody knows what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> so we, we both reach terrible outcomes just down different routes, don't we? Um, and uh, And he is very, very mean to someone who is definitely a witch. Yeah. Um, played not, by... not just a goth. No, de- definite witchness because it's because uh, she's played by Mary Kay Olsen. Oh, really? Yes, I genuinely yes, so did that, not pick up on that. It is the last movie that she was in, I think. Wow, has she given up completely? Yeah, so I think they do fashion and things like that now, don't they? The okay. um, the Olsen twins. So but they she, gave up together. I think so. Yeah. So I think she was. I don't know if who acted in the last thing, but this was definitely Mary Kay Olsen's last thing. Um, but you can kind of tell that she's definitely not your average high school student because she is four years older than uh, Alex Pettifer, who already looks 
pretty damn old in this movie. He looks far too old <laughs> yeah. to be in high school. Um, and um, and is a, a few years older than Vanessa Hudgens as well. Um, so it's like, why is there this 25-year-old witch walking around in a high school? Um, and lo and behold, when he's particularly mean to her, um, she puts a curse on him that turns him ugly, like Ooh. a beast. You, know, you say ugly, but really, he just looks like a member of Rammstein. Yeah, well, yes, exactly. He looks he looks like someone who would be super cool in a cyberpunk story. So yeah, he's covered yeah. in tattoos. He's got like weird metal bits and pieces here and there. Yeah, and if people if people saw that, they'd just think it was a fashion choice. Yes, that's, that that's the part about it that just that really doesn't work at all. You know, if they wanted to try and make him like a beast, they should have just made him like a beast. Um, and apparently in the book, he is more beast-like. Right. So again, um, that that's a very poor aesthetic choice on the film's part. If that was there in the source material, make him into a fucking bear. Have fun with it. <laughs> and then you save on actors as well, because all you've got to do is just have a highly trained get, bear. Get a bear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so he is not, um, what you'd expect if, if suddenly we were faced by, uh, you're going to become hideous. It's like, oh, well, I've still got my incredibly handsome features. I've just got some sick tats as well. And he's, and yeah, he is beastly in terms of like, he's ripped as well because he keeps going to the, he keeps doing chin-ups or whatever. So if he was to go down the, yeah, like you say, the local club night or the local cyber dog or wherever, he would (laughs) he would immediately find his people. Yeah, he he would be super cool. If he lived in Brighton, um he would be he'd find a place in a like goth band instantly yeah. as, as a singer. He'd be uh, the king of Brighton. Cuz cuz really what what you'd want from if if you really wanted to put a bad curse on him, just turn him into Anne Widdicombe. <laughs> and, and, and now then, she, now you know, she is truly beastly. Yeah, yeah. Um I not want to mock people's appearance, but she is um she looks like her personality. Let's just leave it at that. Um, Melted. (laughs) Twisted. Yeah. uh, Out of date. Um, And, uh, but yeah, so, so, so so that's the first faux pas in this movie really, isn't it? Is that um, he he does not appear like a beast. There is nothing, there is nothing really beastly about this fella. No. So the, the title then does not work on a number of levels. It's like, yeah, what can we do to make him ugly that won't be that won't be deemed offensive? Because there are a number of like obviously offensive routes you could have gone down that probably would have made it worse, like to have disfigured him or something. But it's just like, just make him a beast. It's an adaptation of Beauty and the Beast. Make him a big, hairy, horrible beast. Nothing yes. wrong with that. Yeah, and and that's the thing is they clearly they clearly wanted to have some kind of method of realism in it, but they were like, oh, we can't do anything too bad because it will be very offensive. So they thought, right, let's give him some weird tats and some weird metal bits poking out of his face because that's not there, there's nothing real about that whatsoever. Because that's ugly. But I think that's very offensive to the industrial metal community. But the the industrial metal community would embrace it. They'd be yeah, like, yeah. yeah, we look ugly to you normies. Yeah, like, oh, what's that band typo negative? No, there's some band where they all dress like that and they're all very happy about it. Mushroom Head. Mushroom Head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he just genuinely looks like he could be a member of Mushroom Head. All he needs is, yeah, all he needs is a a, a big barrel and a stick to hit it with and he could fit quite uh, quite well in with Slipknot, couldn't he? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I just you know I I I think he'd need more of a ma- Slipknot on masks, which is a, that's a whole other level. But you know oh, what what true. else they could have done? <laughs> they could have done like just made it something freakish that's funny. Again, it takes itself way too seriously. So if it actually did try to be a little bit funny with some of that, it could have been could have sort of broken the tension. And actually, this is the same as what we were saying about what film was it we discussed before? Ever after, it's the exact same thing where it just takes itself way too seriously. When they could have done something like have him sprout nose hair that goes down to his knees that he can't shave or like a third buttock or something, you know, that that would be deemed ugly and would then be like out that would be sort of would get him viewed as an outsider and as different, which is ultimately what it's all about, but isn't, you know, a very real problem like loose feet. Um. So, yeah, that would have been very, very funny. 
um and they could have done it in a humorous way and they they could have done it in a grotesque way as well so like i'm yeah. thinking american werewolf in london mm. levels of having that dark humor and that grotesque transformation element but instead you're right this movie is very po-faced yeah. a lot of the time um and it really fails because of it and and partly that's where the enjoyment comes is where it does take itself so seriously but then they feel like the way that they they obviously realized halfway through writing it or creating it they're like oh guys this film's way too serious we need some comic relief let's get neil patrick harris in to play a blind man who cracks jokes all the time done and that was the greatest decision that they made in this movie um was yeah cast neil patrick harris as a blind tutor a blind tutor who says chicks dig blind guys yes how could he he say that on camera with a straight face well that's the the mark of a great actor to be fair his face wasn't straight (laughs) you could kind of tell he was laughing yeah yeah and and you know, and then I, at the end, he miraculously can see again. <laughs> yeah, so the witch, the witch at the end, it it gives him his sight back, and it gives the um the like maid slash assistant slash housekeeper magic green cards to get her kids into the country. Yeah, and it's like, are you kind of? It's it's weird because it's sort of equating horrible magical disfigurement with being blind Be, with being blind. which is yeah, not which good is and actually also, incredibly offensive when you and also um with with being the outsider in terms of uh culture or ethnicity or uh nationality which again uh, that's not a very good message to give yeah very very clumsy to just kind of lump all those notions of othering together and you know have it all be spearheaded by an attractive man who looks probably a bit less attractive with some tattoos on his face oh woe is me yeah it's uh <laughs> like that that genuinely it genuinely makes out that that is worse than being blind i mean we could you can obviously tell here that the real disfigurement that he was given by magic was having massive ham fists because of how <laughs> ham-fisted this movie is um it is it is they should have called it ham fistly <laughs> um it is it is really heavy-handed, isn't it? It is very clumsily made. The dialogue is on another level as well. Um, every, every every line, it has that same kind of feel as Twilight, doesn't it? Um, yeah. Or that same kind of feel as Fifty Shades of Grey, where it doesn't feel like it's been written by people trying to recreate the human experience. No, it f- it feels like it was written by um one of those bots they have now. Oh yeah, robots. It was written by like a teen movie robot that watched that's uh, that they 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 got Twilight and the, a bunch of Twilight imitator films and and threw them all into this bot and then said do do me Beauty and the Beast and this is what came out. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um it it's yeah, the the dialogue in it and, like and genuinely, of... the the like AI that we have now that is writing things. I was reading a bit about this today about how there's like a subreddit where people are creating. Oh, there are threads that are created completely by AI, and they're all having conversations with each other about stuff. And it was a little bit scary, right? It's scary what we have now. But I genuinely think today's AI could write a better script than was written by a real person for this film. Yes, it's uh, not so good. It's just every single line is characters telling the plot to each other literally every single line apart from chick stick blind guys because neil patrick harris doesn't get with a chick unfortunately <laughs> he does not he does not but you know almost every line i think he literally gets up um alex pettifer at the beginning of the film goes i'm rich and good looking and i mean yeah or something that's basically yeah. along those lines and immediately i was like oh my god and and well, I could c- you just try <laughs> to be a tiny bit subtle or just need to leave some things implied and not said or at least to express things by day-to-day normal actions of school they sort of frame it around some kind of upcoming school election or whatever but he literally gets up in front of the school and goes i mean deal with it and i kind of i do kind of love that and i think in in the hands of um people with more time and a little bit more care there could have been that real sort of mean girls feel to this movie if they double down on the humor and they'd really had someone who stands up and really revels in the fact that i'm rich my dad's famous i'm beautiful it doesn't matter that i mean because you're all gonna love me anyway you could do something really interesting with someone who is that 
unrelentingly awful. Um, yeah. But he becomes repentant so quick. And and I think that's that's where it kind of falls down is like this would have been really good if he'd been a really nasty character for longer. But that's what that's what you like. You like nasty people. I do like nasty people. Nasty people in movies are interesting. Um, and and if he'd maintained that villainy for a bit longer, you could, then could have had that friction where he starts becoming a better person. But from the word go, via Vanessa Hudgens's character, she's trying to suggest that there's something better about him underneath. Yeah. If you didn't get it from the fact that like he's incredibly mean and horrible to her and she's just standing there like at the school dance or whatever that where she's working and she it's clear that like she's supposed to like him but he's actually just being a complete dick and she's just kind of rolling over and taking it and you're like what what are you doing Vanessa Hudgens yeah don't and, talk and, to this don't talk to this man and that's save for your trip to Machu Picchu that, that that and that's what's interesting about this movie is that it's trying to imply even from the word go that there's this this hidden goodness inside him whereas in reality that that hidden goodness never really comes out fully even when he's supposed to be this heroic character he's still a bit weird and whiny and manipulative he's very really creepy he feels like harry potter in the middle harry potter books that's the the one where um, he goes i love magic in the tent of the quidditch (laughs) world cup isn't that what he says every other line in harry potter it's been a while since i read it but i thought it was my name's harry potter my parents are dead i love magic i'm gonna get on my broomstick and then like after that it's just five books of him complaining about how hard his life is because he can do magic and that his scar hurts and that his scar hurts and then voldemort keeps killing all his mates oh he doesn't really care about that (laughs) <laughs> in, in the final book half of the people that he knows die and the only ones that he care about are uh spoiler alert for harry potter his yes. owl and his the owl. elf <laughs> uh, i i remember yeah, reading the, the elf is the only one who gets a burial i've only read the last harry potter book once um and i remember there's like a, a whole page about how sad he is about the death of his owl and there's like a there's at least two pages about how sad he is about the death of the elf um but then when it comes to buddy the elf <laughs> buddy the elf uh, i'd be sad about buddy the elf um yep. but then um when it comes Oops, there it is <laughs> but when when it comes to uh one of his mo- one of his beloved teachers and uh and i can't remember if it's wife or girlfriend uh who who he just his sees... girlfriend does not die they wouldn't do no that. no no um uh his his the teacher i'll just say it lupin when lupin dies oh yeah the wolfman and and then is it his girlfriend tonks yeah or yeah. or yeah. wife i can't remember wife. if they're married they get married um between book six and seven and then obviously they both die but he just walks yeah. over their bodies on the steps basically it's like oh they're dead and, yeah. that, and that's it it's like okay they're fine. dead leaving like a a son who's like <laughs> yeah. six months old exactly exactly um anyway sorry i will uh not uh <laughs> i will have go... to i will have to put a harry potter spoiler alert at the, at the you, you will i'm Although, sorry realistically at the, this point who the fuck hasn't seen all the harry potter films yeah you've either read them or you've seen them so yeah. you know what's and if happening. you if you don't you don't care yeah but m- maybe you should put also, if you really care about spoilers for a, a, a decades-old book series, then also, um, also then watch out doing? for that. Um, what are you doing? But anyway, sorry, uh, sidetracked by Harry Potter, but Harry Potter has that whininess and that woe-is-me attitude that is also present here. And I wonder if that was a deliberate choice because, yeah. again, the Harry Potter movies had that similar kind of fandom. And Twilight has a bit of that as well. And it? Twilight has that too. It's redeemed by that, you know, that being offset by Michael Sheen laughing maniacally every five minutes. <laughs> yeah, <it's... laughs> which is great. And that's the real problem with this movie is it doesn't have that kind of sense of fun. And you can derive entertainment from how po-faced it is and how awkward those mild humor scenes are um because because this movie is funny when it's trying to be serious and it is the most devastating thing to watch ever when it's trying to be fun um but there's that yeah there's none of that sort of edge to it it's really it plays it so safe and in doing so creates something that is quite controversially bad yeah it's really yeah just awful um the music is really bad because well (laughs) It includes um, 
Transatlanticism by Death Cab for Cutie, which is one of my all-time favourite songs um, from one of my favourite albums, but it was just used in a really bad way while he was just looking really whiny and like and while he was being creepy as well and like while he was stalking her that was playing and i was like no do not do not do not cheapen death cab for cutie please (laughs) and then but all of the other stuff was like pop music of the time that has not aged well like stuff by like pixie lot and whatever remember pixie lot yes um and yeah. it, it it has that similar kind of thing to to the twilight movies again where it's just cramming in song after song after song after song yeah um and to be like hey here's some music the teens like and here's a bit where he's saying i love you and the song is saying i love you too see what we see what, see what it does it's reflected in the soundtrack yeah get it but there were it's... also a number of bits where there was music with lyrics playing quite loudly underneath dialogue which is so irritating why would you do that it's so stupid <laughs> that's just a that's just genuinely really poor filmmaking and yeah. i won't have it i it won't is, stand for it that, and and you say about poor filmmaking the thing that really came home to me watching it and i've watched it once before interestingly enough i did watch this there, there's many movies on this podcast that i've watched because me and my friends went to the cinema and didn't know what was on and just went into something not knowing what it was. Wait, you saw this in the cinema? No, no, no. I didn't see this in the cinema. I watched it afterwards knowing how notoriously bad it was and and watched it it for the kicks of that. Um, And and, and something that we really feel is how cheap it feels. Um, Like everything looks quite cheap. Even... I mean, a lot of time must have been spent on the cosmetics, but even that, it doesn't feel very real. Um, it all feels very, very fake, very artificial. Yeah, it it, it feels like some of the, the fakest shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, it's, oh, it's, there's something special, this movie. It's, it's really something else. Yeah, but it it really felt like a slog. There's really just n- f- no redeeming features apart from possibly Neil Patrick Harris. But when you know that like him being blind is handled in such a weird and offensive and stupid way, it, you just think, mm, no, I don't, I don't want it. Yeah, it's even that. Even he he adds a little bit of uh, energy to the film, but even then, it's because it's kind of distasteful seeing a. Um, a not blind man playing a blind man um, as as well. I don't want to be one yeah. of those people that calls that out, but really there's no reason why you couldn't have had there's someone no who's blind playing someone in this movie. Yeah. Um, it's, um, it's, yeah, that really takes away from it, even though, you know, he, he is the most entertaining person in the movie. Yeah. And I tried to compare it to Baywatch, even though they're two completely different films, just because that was a film that I really detested. But that at least had the rock goofing around in it. It had and people had rock, touching a dead man's touch, willy. Touching a dead man's penis in the morgue. <laughs> Which is kind of funny. The, where was that in Beastly? Yeah. Where was the touching of the dead man's penis? But I would say that this is a level above Fifty Shades. I don't know, man. Like, oh, To be fair, that was three films of a really long slog that was just sort of a sort of pantomime of ostentatious wealth and aspirational nonsense being displayed yeah you're right actually yeah yeah so it, it's not quite as bad as that because there, it, but there, it's, it's much it's objectively a much less competent film i think yes, just because yeah. as i said there's there's stuff like yeah the music choices being really wrong and the music being badly mixed as well and like yeah just really bad acting and stuff but um like i as you know i have a soft spot for vanessa hudgens and i like her i really liked her in that christmas movie but in this, she was absolutely terrible. And even, I think I tried to blame it on the Lumpen script, but she delivered that in such a wooden way that, you know, you know that you felt like she didn't believe it. Yeah, it's it's not a good performance from anybody in this movie, which is a shame. But I think I think there's only so much they could do with this script. <laughs> it, it, it is it is a real clangor. Um and and it's a shame because you can you can see that people are trying. So I was reading up about it, and Alex Pettifer, um, he did really spend a lot of time in terms of getting into the role. So much so that apparently he went out into the streets wearing the makeup. And uh, he sort spent of some time with Ramstein. Spent some time with Ramstein. Went on tour um, with Ramstein, 
um but yeah so he 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 spent a lot of time on this movie trying to actually you know get into that mindset seeing how people but did he find that he was walking down the street and nobody gave a shit because especially in new york because they were like oh look it's a man with tattoos on his face that's the thing (laughs) that's the thing in new york no one would give a shit Uh, in any city nobody would give a shit come over here to brighton for instance and yeah you just get given a high five do do this in camden in london nobody would care Uh, and and so yeah, I, I it but it but it 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 pains me that people did put in this effort to this film where it was basically it never stood a chance given the way that it was made and I don't think apparently the original book got some pretty good press at the time but I can't imagine how. Right. Because the story doesn't seem that different. And what the issue here is the story. Yeah, but as I said, I think you could do it. The way that it fits together with him, with the house, like him being in this house and the the, the way... So I was the whole time watching it, I was like, how is it going to get to be the point where he's like trapped her? How is it going to do that without being creepy? And it is creepy and weird, but it, the whole thing of it being like protection from her dad or whatever, maybe that's handled a bit more sensitively in the book and maybe that helps it to feel a bit more real. That would be my guess. But the issue is that it's supposed to be creepy at the beginning, isn't it? Yeah. It's not supposed to be an instantaneous heroic sacrifice. It's supposed to be, you know, this this uh, villainous act. And I suppose the issue is that this is a this is a telling of Beauty and the Beast from the perspective of the Beast, whereas yeah. predominantly Beauty and the Beast has always been told through the lens of of the Gaston. Beauty. <laughs> through the lens of Gaston. A um, man who's roughly as big as a barge. But having having mentioned Gaston, let me tell you about the worst thing about this movie. Um, there is no villain. There is no conflict with a villain. The closest you get for a villain is uh, the witch Kendra, played by Mary Kay Olsen, who is by far the coolest character in the film. Yeah. Uh, so, so you're kind of rooting for the witch all the way through because she's badass. She's got actual facial tattoos. She knows she magic. can do actual magic. She dresses like a goddamn queen. Yeah. Um. She's the best. She's the best person in the world in in this universe. Um. And and so and and that's the closest you get to having any kind of conflict with a villainous character. And so the stakes are set at the beginning of the movie, and there's nothing that changes to ramp that up at all throughout the rest of the film so it kind of just plods along that there's no one trying to stop him and and pretty much from from about half an hour in you can tell that actually kendra has become more sympathetic towards him and it's like well you can't stop magic but i'll tell you what if you sort it out i'll also give matey boy his sight back and get magic green cards um so you can kind of tell that she recognizes that he's turning into a good guy and so there's no there's nobody that's going out there to try and stop this from happening um exactly it's like what are the obstacles to this the obstacle to this is that he's buying her handbags and she doesn't want handbags well (laughs) and and so and you look at you know you look at the other you know going back to the original beauty and the beast the conflict is that he is still a monster and he is still keeping her there against her will yeah Um, and it's how do they resolve that issue if you look at the disney version it is Gaston, the, the yeah. beautiful meat man that we've come to love. That's the thing. To, if you're going to adapt Beauty and the Beast, you have to keep Gaston because he's the best character. <laughs> oh, oh, have you know that Lumiere is the best character? And because this movie did not have a talking candlestick, not out of 20. <laughs> I thought that was Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, but yeah. No, but seriously, could you could you have done that? Could there have been some like um, ex boyfriend who who chases after her to and comes to the house and confronts the hideous beast? That would have been way more interesting, actually. Now that I think about it, going back to me saying, "Oh, I think you, you could have you could have pulled it off. You could have made it like that, couldn't you?" Yes, yeah. Because then the the sort of the climax of it feels way more manufactured, actually, than the Gaston moment, doesn't it? The climax is, oh, she's going away on her school trip. He wrote her a letter and he can't tell her that he loves her or some shit. I, I had stopped paying attention by that point. <laughs> yeah, There it... was a thing with a train where he'd given her all these letters and then he was suddenly shouting at the train, don't read them, don't read don't them. Don't read so, the letters. Why did you give, A, why did you give them to her? And B, she can't hear you. She's in a train, you idiot. Yeah, the, the two conflicts in this movie are transportation issues and <laughs> high school drama bullshit i know all about those <laughs> particularly the high school drama bullshit <laughs> yeah um 
and and that's where the that that's where the problems lie really isn't it is and that whole thing about the end where it's like oh i can't speak to you because you've read my letter like it's just high school nonsense yeah it makes absolutely no sense that's it like makes no sense the bit in romantic comedies where it's all like that's supposed to be the big thing that keeps them apart but it's always just feels like a bullshit communication issue and i deal with those over email you know all day at work so i don't need to see them in films thank you yeah so you know it's um it's not good it's not good and uh, uh, you, you just end up feeling frustrated at the end of yeah film. well i don't i didn't even feel feel frustrated i was just like oh i'm glad it's over that was that now i can go back to reading books <laughs> <laughs> um did you enjoy dakota johnson's performance in this movie she has yeah, a ti- all the two minutes she was in it <laughs> she she has a tiny role she is uh beastie man's uh high school girlfriend beastie who- boy beastie boy who within like five seconds is is uh dating his best friend yeah um after he disappears uh which is nice <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe she's the true beast maybe she is the true beast yeah um yeah <laughs> yeah so she's in it you know that's good um but yeah there's there's just very little here of substance and, no, and, not much to get hold of. And, and what what they try to create substance out of just ends up really failing worse than the bits where it is just plodding along, being a bit silly. Yeah, it, yeah, it's not even silly in a good way, is it? Which is no, usually the thing with it's not. with these kind of films. Often because they actually they try when people try very hard with these kind of films, they do end up inadvertently being a bit silly, and it makes them funny. But it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't even feel silly fun. No, it it nearly gets there a few times. I think if it had doubled down on the melodrama and really tried to go for it as a serious film, it would have ended up being very, very funny unintentionally. Yeah, but definitely. I, 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 but I do think there is that, you know, that if they'd really made him a bastard and they'd made it a very satirical look at it, I think that also could have worked well. But making a movie earnest like this it just didn't work no that's but it it didn't even feel earnest to me as well that's the thing it felt fake because all of the lines were so wooden and so constructed and yeah as you say it felt like they were written by a 13 year old boy or sort of an algorithm version of a 13 year old boy and it's just like yeah 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 well not good i wouldn't necessarily think that it's made with a male-centric view in mind um I think it is aimed at a female demographic um, and it's written, it feels like fan fiction is what it feels like. It feels, it feels like, um, it feels like fan fiction, something written on the internet and chucked up by someone. Yeah. And it's, that that's exactly right. It feels, it feels like fan fiction and not good fan fiction either. No, no. Um, and I'm so, sure that the novel is competent, at least in that sense, because otherwise it probably would just have ended up as fan fiction online. Right? No, and and I think the fact that it, you know, it has did have a pretty decent reception shows that there must be something more to it. And so, yeah, I I, I do wonder how good the book is. If anyone of our if anyone who's listening has read the book, then let us know. Did you enjoy it? Is it good? Mm, yeah, I, I wonder if anyone's read it. <laughs> it was from 2007. Yeah, so there's got to be some like people around who are listening who were in that phase at that time who yeah. who were really into like the Twilight era kind of stuff. Because uh, I wonder when when did the first Twilight book come out? I should know this because the company I work for published it. Um, oh, it was before that. Okay, the first film came out in two thousand and eight, so it wasn't that far before far after. 2005 it came out okay right yeah and uh, interestingly enough three years after the first twilight comes out out comes beastly funny that yeah Yeah, well that's how that's how trends work in fiction yeah yeah but but yeah it's i would be interested to read it but i would never have the time this is the thing it's the kind of thing where like if you had infinite time then you'd 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 read it but t- time is money. Yeah, unfortunately, we don't have the magic of about time. The no, we do the not. Un- the underused superpower of Matey Boy in that film. <laughs> yeah, the superpower that is used f- for bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that defies the logic of itself by allowing him to go back to the beach when he was a kid with his dead father. Yes, yes, yeah, and 
it's just like and none of it's absurd that's the the other thing as well that often makes bad films funny is absurdity you know there's no you're tearing me apart lisa there are a few bits where like he's a bit angry and he grunts and groans and that is kind of funny but mostly it's like you can't even laugh at it it's not even laughably bad yeah there's very little in here that's laughably bad i think some of the dialogue is good i i think you know you mean bad (laughs) yes but good bad where you can laugh at it um so i really enjoyed um kyle slash hunter saying uh, my dad always said how much people like you is directionally proportional to what you look like <laughs> it's like yeah. that's a good message <laughs> that's a good message to tell your children but that's um, yeah that's exactly like a, a perfect example of one of the lines that is just saying the message of the film or like everything that the character is supposed to be just saying it out loud with no trace of like irony or anything yeah and i i really i really dig those moments and i think when it when it's at its heavy-handed best it does nearly stray into so bad it's good territory Um, yeah and i think like if you were watching this with a bunch of people you'd find a lot more fun in it yeah yeah instead of just watching it on your own so i watch this on my own because i don't think there's any way i'd ever get my other half to watch this shit um yeah uh, (laughs) yes same here it's um but yeah there's something more that there's something more fun to be found here if only for the cliched i like writing handwritten letters to people nonsense and and things like that there, oh there is god this... yeah he, i forgot about that he says over and over he likes writing letters when like he doesn't even have they didn't even have smartphones he has appears to have like a blackberry at one point and he's looking at like a really fake version of myspace and looking at her stuff and creeping on her on the internet it's just yeah well, it's worth it's worth remembering that this movie came out in 2011, but it was finished before that. So it yeah. is kind of in the air. It's in the era slightly before like smartphones became a big thing, um, where things like Blackberries were were being used more widely. People somehow were managing to type out messages with those tiny keys, <laughs> tiny tiny keyboards, literally like not even the quarter of the size of a thumb. How do people <laughs> do it? How Magic. was that a thing? I, I'm angry that that happened. <laughs> it worked though, didn't it? For a while, blackberries no. were a, <laughs> blackberries were a thing for a while. Um, but yeah, and so yeah, it's that there's moments, but there's not enough. I think I think if you're watching this with other people, you'd get more out of it. Magic as it stands, moments. as it stands, probably not. No, I I don't recommend watching this film. I'm going to say at the beginning when I do my like spoiler thing, I'll be like, just listen, don't even bother watching it. And no. I rarely, usually, usually if a film is bad, I'm like, well, watch it because you have to see it because it's bad. But I don't know. I feel like you've, watching this is a waste of anyone's time. No, you've you've got to leave that just for the ones which are completely morally bankrupt. Like, it's, not, ba- it's not morally bankrupt, but it's halfway there. Yeah, but it's not It's not to the same extent as Baywatch or um, or Fifty Shades, where F- Fifty Shades is, is rotten to its core. Uh, I feel well, like this is as bad as those films. No, no, because this one, it, it's trying to come from a good place. It's trying to say, you know, being a good person is what's important. Well, Baywatch is trying to come from a good place. It's got the rock in it. It's, it's telling you to touch dead man's penis. It comes from a rock and a hard place. <laughs> um whereas yeah the other movies are just completely morally bankrupt entirely this one is trying to put together a good message it's just failing really really badly yeah but don't you think ultimately the message is like oh um it's it he's hot and he gets to be hot again so it's fine it's like oh what if like you're actually it's perceived to be ugly by society and you can't change it it's like the fact that he get he gets to be hot again at the end just isn't fair i think he should have to stay as as a member of rammstein (laughs) <laughs> and, they sh- and they should have to keep being in love through that. Well, if at the end, there is that thing Because, like, where... she loves him anyway. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. At the end, he thinks he's run out of time anyway. Yeah. Um, and he seems to be happy with, with, with his lot. Whereas and... I, do, I also think in regular Beauty and the Beast, she, he should have just stayed as a beast. And that's why Shrek is good, because they get to be Shreks. Yes, exactly. Um, where, whereas, yeah, here, I think that might have been a better ending to have having him fail because it, it goes to the Disney ending where you think they've run out of time, but then they haven't like, yeah. um, like uh, frozen is the prime example of that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, but I think it's trying to put together a good message because he becomes a better person over the course of the film. He does. Yeah. 
he becomes a kind of person who like writes letters and cries at puppies and likes roses and stuff and isn't a jerk to people a, anymore a proper romantic guy but he he goes from being a super jerk to not a super jerk and that and that's something that should be celebrated yeah people people don't even do that in real life jerks just remain jerks forever yeah that's definitely true look at Anne Widdicombe <laughs> she is a constant jerk. She's never not been a jerk. Yeah. Oh dear. Um <laughs> I'm looking at the um <laughs> I'm looking at the plot summary on Wikipedia. And at the end it reminded me that actually it was a nice moment when the witch appears at the end at um his dad's office as an intern and then like kind of implies that she's gonna turn him into a beast. Yeah, that's great. The witch that, is that I did like. I will give it that. The the witch is awesome. The witch. I would watch an entire spin-off where it's this witch going around putting curses on people. Yeah, should have been her film. Her, her is like a vigilante character. Mary Kate Olsen. If you ever feel like acting again, uh, big boys. It's <laughs> an opportunity <laughs> for you. We'll put yeah, together be our, our money. next film. We'll give yeah. you a full fifty-seven pounds between us, and we'll get it sorted. Yeah, and we'll, we can get Vin Diesel in to be a witch hunter who she oh, has to who yes. she has to run away from, or he's like trying to hunt her down, and she's like, "But I'm just trying to make people be better people." And he's like, "There's a better way. You don't have to do this. I'm going to hunt you." <laughs> you see, this writes itself. It's called. Yeah, it's perfect. It's called the best witch hunter. Ah, I love it. I yeah. love it. We've got to do this. Mary Kate Olsen, please get in touch. Yeah, get we in love touch. You, we love your character in this film. We, I, I really loved her character in this film. It's the one thing that I enjoyed earnestly in this movie. Um, and yeah. I would I would happily have seen her character appear in something else. And actually, I know I complained that it was too... It was po-faced and it wasn't goofy enough and whatever else. But it actually was... Her character was actually a little bit goofy. And it was like, oh, and whenever she showed up, you're like, oh, okay, now we're, now we're going to have some fun. Yeah, she was really good fun. So so that's the thing is that there are these little moments in it that that could have been something even if it's only to make a a, a good bad movie. But instead it just doesn't reach that point, which is a real shame. Yeah, it it just doesn't quite get there. And I wonder if maybe the book does sort of get over that line. But um I was um I was just reading the plot summary on Wikipedia and it says um there were there was an alternate ending that was filmed where Lindy gets kidnapped by the drug dealer and in the process Kyle gets shot. As he lays injured in his arms, she confesses her love to him, breaking the curse in a fashion more closely based on the book and the original Beauty and the Beast story. Ah, okay. <laughs> this ending was not used in the official release, however it was used in the official video game on the Wii. <laughs> and what's great is that, that that... There was a game. Yes, but that game isn't a game in a traditional sense. Um, I have not played it, obviously, because I'm not that Why sad. have you not played it? <laughs> but you're, it... you're a video game journalist. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to dig out the Wii exclusive Beastly game. <laughs> um, it's, uh, yeah, it's almost like a sort of narrative video game, a bit like those old DVD, um, mo- those DVD games that you used to get back in the day. Oh my god! Um, it's almost like that, where it's like, um, like trivia's and things like that, um, in between like little little play sections. That sounds awful. It's, yeah, I'm it, looking at it right now. It looks terrible. It's yeah, it's really weird. It's like all these little mini games, and the the Wii as a console had loads of that nonsense. It, it actually really did, didn't it? Yeah, but the Wii had the highest amount of trash out of any video game console I've ever seen. Um, and so, yeah, the Beastly game was basically things like little mini Dance Dance Revolutions, little card matching games and, and stuff like that. That's, Just... the, that's the kind of crap they used to make on CD-ROMs in the 90s. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that, that's what the Wii had and that's what Beastly was. It gets worse. The more <laughs> we talk about it, the worse it gets. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so Beastly, great movie. Yeah, 100% best film I've ever seen in my and life. If you Google it, some reviews come up on the right. Like, There's a weird like audience reviews section on Google now, which they're all like done by people who can't, can barely string a sentence together. Um, let's see what they say. I think the adapted modern version of Beauty and the Beast was not that bad. They really tried to make it look cool. But my problem was with Alex's character. He doesn't look scary. He just looked like a tattooed punk man. His appearance was funny and weird, so I couldn't take the movie seriously. Tattooed punk man. <laughs> that's yeah, that's that's what it is. <laughs> Tattooed punk man. 
Yeah. Oh, bless. Bless, bless people who write stuff on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> this movie is so creepy. The main guy stalks a girl and then forces her to live with him. It's so weird. And then I guess they fall in love. Oh, how romantic. The only good part of this movie is Neil Patrick Harris. Basically correct. <laughs> <laughs> pretty pretty much correct. Yeah. Not a single full stop anywhere in there, but basically correct. <laughs> Generally. They're just doing a Brett Easton LS style stream of consciousness. Yeah. I read the book and this movie is nothing compared to the book. Exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Horrible acting, wouldn't recommend it to anyone. Was there was yeah. there any capitalization in there as well? No, actually. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Love it, good for young teenagers, a good message and funny, comma, and then it stops. <laughs> very good, very good. Uh, this, this person's got it, right? The only good thing about this film is Mary Kay Olsen, dot, dot, dot. And that's telling a lot, dot, dot, dot. Uh-huh. <laughs> that that is <laughs> uh, nearly got there before it became too mean. Another one that says so good, I cried. Oh, that, now that's the right one. That's the right review. It's good, but nothing like the book. So maybe the book is all right. Maybe, maybe. Yep. Looking at though budget seventeen million, box office forty three million. So yeah, did it even get a cinematic release over here? I I don't know. I imagine so. Because I don't remember seeing anything about it. No, but at the same time, we weren't really the target demographic, were we, in 2011? This is true. This um, is true. So, yeah, I imagine it probably did. It's got some pretty big names in it. At this point, Alex Pesifer was, you know, quite a big deal. Yeah. As a as an up-and-coming actor. Um, so, yeah. I, I don't know. Have you got, you got trivia? Uh, yes, I do have some trivia for you. Neil Patrick Harris wore opaque contact lenses so he would actually be sightless when they were filming. Um, almost as if they could have just hired a blind person to play a blind person. Yeah, strange. Um, but there are no blind actors. That's no, not a thing. No, of course not. Uh, that that definitely doesn't happen. Uh, so yeah, Alex Betterfer shaved his head completely for his role and underwent five hours of prosthetics makeup each work day. He remained in character offset during the shoot as an experimental exercise to see how outsiders would react when, for instance, he would purchase miscellaneous items in regular stores in the Montreal neighbourhoods. <laughs> yeah, again, in Montreal, there's loads of like tattooed punk dudes in Montreal. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that him walking around like that trying to buy poutine would cause much of a problem. Nobody would care. They'd be like, hey, nice inks, bud. Um, Lindsay Lohan was offered the part of Kendra the Witch, uh, but turned it down. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad we got Mary Kane Olsen because Mary Kane Olsen in this film is awesome. I feel like I wouldn't have minded um, Lindsay Lohan having a go at that. I think she would have been good as well, but I, I, I can't, I can't take away from how good Kendra the Witch is as a character. It's great. Um, uh, Zac Efron was talked about to be cast as Kyle. Ah. Which, you know, that could have been good. Um, it was supposed to release in 2010, but it was pushed back several months to avoid competing with Charlie St. Cloud, the Zac Efron movie. Ah, okay, yeah. I have not seen that. No, neither have I. Um, but yeah, so that's why it was it was delayed. Um, but, you know, it, it was worth the wait, wasn't it? Worth the wait. Yeah, definitely. I'm really glad that they pushed it back. <laughs> um, and final little thing. Uh, did you notice... That you know he had tattoos on his eyebrows. Yeah. Did you notice that they read "embrace" and "suck," as in em- "embrace the suck," which was his weird phrase yeah. that's supposed to sound really meaningful and clever when it makes no sense and it doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah. So, so I, you know, that was great, wasn't it? Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> it's my favorite. I'm um, going to go and get that tattooed on my face. As am I, as am I. So so that will do for trivia. Um, have you got anything else you'd like to add? No, I don't think so. It's just, yeah, it's a, it's very poor. And they also made a Wii game, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a thing that exists. It is, it is a thing that exists. I demand that you review it for your website. Uh, I don't think that the website would go for a review of a 2011 Wii game. Uh, I'm not sure how not sure how much coverage we would get for that one, um, but I will give it a go. Um, aside from that, uh, where are they now for the cast of this movie? So, um, so Alex Pettifer is still acting. 
um, perhaps hasn't reached the heights that people thought he might based on his earlier roles, but he is in a Steven Soderbergh movie coming soon. Cool, um, cool. Which is cool. He's British. He is out. British, yeah. Um, and has been in a few bits and pieces here and there. Uh, he still acts regularly. He was um, in Magician Michael. He was in Magician Michael. Um, so I think, you know, there's potentially time for, for all of that to turn around for him. And, you know, he does have... Not 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 particularly seen in this movie, but there is a, there is some talent there. Yeah, um, I think he's perfectly competent. Yes, with with a with a good script, I'd be interested to see what he can do. I don't believe I've actually seen him in anything else. But oh, yeah, there we I would, go. Um... You were that enamoured by this film. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Mary Mary Kate Olsen doesn't act anymore. Dakota Johnson uh, starred in this movie. Really shone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, it was almost as good as her performance in Fifty Shades. Uh, and Vanessa Hudgens now makes a lot of Christmas movies. Which I'm totally down with. She yes. got the best deal, for sure. Yeah, she got to be in the Christmas Switch. Princess Switch? <laughs> the Princess Switch. Chris- Christmas Princess The Christmas Switch. switch. It's yeah. a big switch on the wall, and when it's the 1st of December, you turn it on, and all the elves come in and make Christmas stuff happen. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so, you know, people have gone on to do other stuff. This movie didn't kill anyone's career. The director went on to uh, direct Cake, which is a movie that got a lot of good press um, at the time. Uh, I've not heard of that. um, Film of Jennifer Aniston, which, uh, yeah, uh, went down very well. People were talking about her potentially getting Oscar nominations, which didn't happen in the end, I don't think. But um, but good performance from her. So, um, yeah, uh, talented people come together to create something quite bad. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That's it. You nailed it. That's it, isn't it? Um, so how are we going to rank this? Um, oh God. How many, so there's the bit where he's got like a tree on his arm, a tattoo tree on his arm and it's growing like what the, it's growing fruit on it to indicate when his time is up. It's flowers, isn't it? Flowers. How many flowers are growing on your arm? So I've got a, I've got a lot of time left because I've only got six flowers on my arm. Six. You're going to go all the way to six. Well, I'm um, giving. I've I've got two. I've only got two, which is uh, the, the lowest score that I've given. It's the same score I gave to Fifty Shades, um, and Pottersville. Actually, remember Pottersville? <laughs> I'd forgotten all about Pottersville. I think uh, actually maybe uh, no no. I, I'm going to revise this up to a three. I'm okay, gonna I'm okay. gonna be generous. I think that's more fair. I think there's there's more to this movie than some of the other films we've Which watched. is what I gave Baywatch. There we go. Because yeah. it, it was better than Fifty Shades. It didn't feel like a real slog, and it was better than Pottersville, the film that just made me furious <laughs> with its really <laughs> god awful, weird storytelling. Oh bless bless that great film. Yeah. The weird, and the, that's the, weird... the same the same as a Christmas Prince two, the royal wedding. Uh, okay, I yeah, I think you've you've put it quite well. I might be being a bit generous, but there was things in this movie that I enjoyed. Yeah. Um all, pretty much all six points to Mary Kate Olsen. Yeah, basically. yeah. If it wasn't for her it would be a dead zero. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or maybe a one for Neil Patrick Harris saying chicks dig blind guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um yeah, so uh, anything else you want to talk about? That's the same as what you gave never being kissed. You gave that a six as well. So the question is, is this worse than Never Been Kissed? It is worse, but it didn't make me as angry as Never Been Kissed, which made me incredibly angry. So that means that you scored this higher than William and Kate the movie. Yeah, I can... Which you gave a three. Yeah, I I just think we should, every now and then, we should check in with our scores, just a sense check. I think, yeah, when we gave You gave Twilight a seven, so I think that's, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, I think that's about right. Um, this is not as good as Twilight. You're not going to hear no. me saying that about many movies, but <laughs> it is not as good as Twilight. You gave Captain Corelli's Mandolin an eight. And this is not as good as Captain Corelli's Mandolin? No. It does not have Nicholas Cage playing the mandolin. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I stand by my six. I think that's an accurate score for this movie. Stand by your six. <laughs> When you have scored the movie, it truly was quite beastly. 
Actually, hang on. That's the same as what you gave under the cherry moon. I demand that you revise your score down <laughs> immediately. I'm going to put it up. I'm going to put it up <laughs> off the back of that. <laughs> oh, good times. Good times. Well, it's my choice next. And I do not have a shit piece. I have something oh. pot- potentially good. Um, so this is Always Be My Maybe, which recently came out on Netflix. Um it's, you've probably seen it advertised at you every time you open Netflix. Um, it stars Ali Wong um, and Keanu Reeves. I think they spent most of their budget on Keanu, but I've saw kind of like half of it while um, Claire was watching it the other day. And the half that I saw while I was in and out of the room was I really enjoyed. So I would like to see the whole thing. Excellent stuff. Yeah, you I have, have seen the. It? I haven't watched it, no, but I have seen the trailers. Uh, comes up does come up pretty much every time i open my netflix so yeah yeah. that's how netflix works although stranger things 3 came out today so i expect that's gonna be coming up every time i open it yeah uh will you be watching that yeah yeah for sure claire won't want to watch it so i'll have to find time to between Uh, okay uh, looking after my son and whatnot when maybe when they're both asleep taking their afternoon naps but yeah i'm really excited for it excellent excellent stuff cool Alrighty, well, no, I, d- I don't have anything else I want to talk about, really. Um, yeah, I think we're good. Good stuff, yeah, I am all in the clear. Um, if you could be a cool witch, what would your power be? How would you curse people? Yeah, if, if Vin Diesel was hunting you as a witch, how would you stop him with your magic powers? Yeah, exactly. Um, that's th- those are the questions for you this week, listeners. <laughs> yeah. That's your homework. <laughs> That's your homework. What kind of witch would you be? How would you stop a, a, a powerful Vin Diesel from catching you? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. All right. Well, as always, thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate it. You can get to, in touch with us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod, on the emails, Big Boys Don't Cry Podcast at gmail.com. And, you know, leave us a rating or review if you like what we do. Yes, please do. Yeah. And if you don't, we'll get a witch to curse you. Yeah, we will get Mary Kate Olsen to curse you with her magic powers. Yeah. (laughs) All right. (laughs) All right. Bye-bye. Bye.